Hey, listeners, while discussing today's film, John and I found ourselves uh, bringing it into dialogue with two other films, I Spit on Your Grave and Cannibal Holocaust. During the discussion of those two movies, uh, we brought up some topics, uh, including sexual assault and animal abuse. We wanted to give you, our listeners, a heads up before the episode starts rolling so you can better prepare yourself uh, to handle the content. Greetings, friends of the great beyond. This is your ghost, I mean host, ready to take you behind the veil of terror and leftist critique. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. Let's do it. So, so um, uh, there, 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 there's a film market research company called Cinema Scores. I, I have heard about this. Yes, right? I've heard and, of Cinema Scores. And and for for our listeners, if you don't know, Cinema Scores is a research firm, and and they they you know it's like it's it's your standard kind of like investment tech nonsense where they use algorithms and composite market scores to kind of determine audience reactions to films and how they like films and like their A plus ratings are like the the all time classics like Disney's Aladdin and stuff like that that's just kind of universally praised. There are nineteen films that have received an F. Since since Cinema Scores was founded in '83, one of those 19 Fs is Darren Aronofsky's mother. Our film for today. And uh, oh boy, uh, Darren Aronofsky directing a lot going on here, <laughs> starring the, Javier the most, <laughs> the the most, a very a very a very normal normal and regular film, especially. The last twenty-five to thirty minutes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, Ash was uh, saying just before we started recording that um, he was not particularly enamoured with this film, put to put it very mildly, and we were kind of gearing up for another, another like bout, another fight where the two of us have to duke it out over who's got the correct opinion on, on a film, because uh, he thought that I was a big fan of this um, and so I just told him that I have only seen this uh, I literally finished watching this about 25-30 minutes ago and <laughs> oh boy <laughs> um, I, I you know, I, I chose this because I was like, I was vaguely aware of of the kind of outlines of the plot and and you know i thought it would be cool to do something that's connected to mother's day it's mother's day here in the uk um and i was like we could that's that that relationship uh and the kind of is is a very kind of central one to a lot of horror texts and this one seemed like an interesting slightly left field choice to look at right so uh um, yeah yeah, (laughs) broadly yes uh which you know that's my fault i'll I'll totally (laughs) it's it's totally totally my fault i didn't i didn't totally know what i was getting us into but uh this is gonna be an interesting episode (laughs) uh yeah you know i think um like i'll just i'll just put my cards on the table i think this this movie was incredibly bad on many different levels um, but nevertheless, um, you know, I, I, I maintain that the, the worst kinds of movies aren't the bad ones. The worst kinds of movies are the ones that are just uninteresting and there's nothing to discuss. 
Uh, and yes, this I will agree with because the, the, this is this is uh, uh, like the the Hindenburg of horror cinema. <laughs> so uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about. There is a lot to uh, point at and scream at, at this movie, but um, it is not good. <laughs> it is it is not dull. Let's let's say that, and it is not it's not it's not kind of rote or by the numbers. It is a film that is very much trying to do something. Except what it's trying to do is maybe bad and shouldn't have been attempted, and maybe it doesn't even do that very well. Right. I would also speculate that the film doesn't know what the film is trying to do. Uh, yeah, probably. I think that's that's a reasonable a reasonable line of argument, shall we say? Uh, outside of venerating the housewife, this movie this movie does that pretty thoroughly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's let's kind of like. I'll take a step back for a second whilst I, I, I try and I try and process. <laughs> so for people who have not seen the film, Ash, would you mind giving your usual very spoiler heavy uh, quick pricey outline of what what is going on and and give us a kind of place to dive in? So usually I open this up with making some like terrible kind of quip about how you should see the movie and then watch and listen to our podcast, you know, but uh, skip, skip mother. Just listen to our podcast. Maybe read the wiki plot. <laughs> if you're not, really interested, if you're really intrigued. The, the, the movie is like four and a half days long and I don't recommend seeing it. But um, so, so the biases here just a little bit. <laughs> just, just, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put them all out on the table. I'm gonna be as transparent as possible, so, so no one can accuse me of, of, of like, like, like shipping a line here. I, I am openly uh, hostile to this piece of art. But the, the plot centers around um, two figures uh, known as Mother and Him. Uh, Him is a, uh, a formerly successful poet who has been struggling recently to put together his next great work. Uh, Mother, as her name would suggest, is uh, him's partner and the soon-to-be mother of their child, uh, something that happens throughout the film. Uh, as, as, the, as the movie starts, they move into a uh, bucolic countryside uh, a little ranch where, where him can uh, you know, ostensibly get away from it all and, and Mother can tend to the house and and do some you know uh like aesthetic repairs and and get it ready to have a family um as as the film progresses uh yeah, a stranger shows up and um against uh mother's wishes him allows the stranger to stay in which uh leads to a series of events of more people coming to the house uh eventually people are murdered and uh then uh, about I want to say this is this is the last maybe half or third of the film. Things take a solid twist from uh, what is up in, up until this point been like a very Aronofsky kind of uh, character piece to like a, a surreal horror film. Yeah, it goes to some weird places, but let's let's I want to I want to get get into that in just a little bit. Um, but I will let you finish your kind of pricey before we jump in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just to just to wrap up the last bit, the the visuals become increasingly surreal as as the people in the house go go from a few strangers that that showed up on happenstance to 
uh, fans of him's artwork uh, to a cult that worships him and the art he creates to a uh, post-environmental collapse, vaguely foreign militant cult that is caging and uh, I, I think we're led to believe uh, trafficking women uh, to uh, ritual child sacrifice and human cannibalism uh, to him do, uh, crushing the heart of a woman and turning it into a magic poetry crystal. There's your, there's your spark notes. And scene. <laughs> and scene. I want to thank everyone. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be collecting our awards soon. It is, um, yeah. Okay, so where do we where do we even begin? I well, think- I want to begin. I want to begin with the fact that this one, uh, the coveted Peta Oscat <laughs> Award, uh, this was one of their picks for for films that are friendly towards animals and the environment. Oh, okay. I just want to throw that out there. Um, right. Yeah, I, oh no, never mind it didn't it didn't win it was tied with ladybird so they both won together oh i see okay. ladybird is better than this go watch ladybird <laughs> yes yes absolutely and um so i think both of us are, are pretty convinced well you are certainly convinced and i am maybe convincible that this film is bad but it's bad it's just it's bad it's a mess it's a big weird mess um but it might be worth kind of starting with a sort of like maybe slightly more kind of philosophical way into this of like what does it mean to kind of call something a bad movie yeah absolutely like i think um obviously our podcast is concerned with you know critical theory and uh how that can be used and derived from horror cinema but you know it's also worth, also worth talking about <laughs> the cinema itself at certain points and and i feel that um it's interesting when we try and call art bad you know bad bad is like an action bad is something you do you know and i I am less of the camp that things are bad in in a critical sense and more in the camp that uh, cinema and art pieces in general um, can fail their intended goals and and can ultimately not succeed. Yeah, because I think we're kind of differentiating here between a a kind of like like basic technical incompetence where the, the work of art is basically not complete. Mm-hmm. like uh, or a degree of kind of technical skill but a failure to reach the kind of purpose outlined in the work itself yeah 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 i would i would totally agree with that Mo- like mother um as as the example we're going for right now has has a lot of things that artistically and technically interest me a lot you know, there, there, there are a lot of like, especially in the, the latter half of the film, there are a lot of visuals and a lot of sequences that I, I feel are honestly masterfully done. And, oh, yeah. I mean, and it's, are just just incredibly well put together in terms of scene. I mean, Aronofsky is is really interesting as a director. He has some very interesting shots. The performances are all generally pretty good. Yeah. Um. I think uh, Jennifer Lawrence is great in this um, for like 90% of the film until the film decides to just kind of uh, 
treat her with quite vindictive cruelty. Um, but there, this is this this does not succeed upon the terms that it's that it that it itself sets out, right? Yeah, and I think a, I think a significant part of that is that I don't think the film knows what those terms were. Like, I don't think this film as a piece coherently expresses any one idea because it's too caught up trying to express several dozen at the same time yeah precisely which ultimately destroys the depth of any meaning yeah actually i mean it's it's clearly kind of semi or kind of completely allegorical um you know none none of the characters have names uh or only referred to by him her or various other kind of titles and so, he, and he's kind of clearly riffing on like biblical themes, religious themes, environmental themes. Oh yeah, um, which is really interesting. But none of it coheres into anything. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not sure what our takeaway is, or or is supposed yeah. to be. And what was interesting to me is I saw this like a couple of days ago. I saw Jordan Peele's new film. Um, nice without and without spoiling anything i think it's fair to say that that is also something that's working on a allegorical and metaphorical level definitely um but in that case even if the kind of final uh kind of interpretation is never clearly uh spelled out is never kind of made explicit there's a very 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 clear um, hermeneutic path which the film opens up for you which you know has a, quite a lot of scope operating within it so it's been really interesting to see people kind of coming up with all their different theories and all their different ways of reading the film which I think the film totally encourages and, and helps to generate but compared to that Mother doesn't work at all no, no not in the slightest um and I think part of that is because it's just trying to accomplish too much. You know, there's, there, there are too many narrative threads. There are too many themes. It, it winds up muddying them all for the sake of none of them. Yes. And also we have to kind of think um, if we're going to call the film bad, we don't, we, don't, we don't necessarily separate the aesthetic from the political because I think that's no. a mistake that people often fall into. And I think when we start kind of picking away at the politics here, uh, we get into some pretty dark, reactionary, uh, proto-fascistic directions. Yeah, and I I find that to be really interesting because I was reading about, uh, I was reading an interview with Aronofsky about why he, like like the seed that started this film, like what got it in his mind. And in, in the interview, he was just kind of, like like well, like one day it kind of all hit his mind at once like all of the turmoil of the world right now you know the, you know, the we're we're facing an impending environment ecological collapse uh in, in in his words i believe he said something to the effect of like uh uh like ancient sectarian violence was was erupting worse than ever and i mean like feel free to read into that uh particular phrase what you will mm-hmm. and then uh, you know he also went on about like all kinds of political turmoil all kinds of protest movements and and that kind of muddied sense of like we're living in uh, dangerous times, but oh man, I can't remember um, who uh, this quote is from. But all times are dangerous times, 
you know, there, there has never been a non-dangerous time to, to be alive, especially if you're engaged with uh, any kind of uh, struggle for people's rights. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's what muddies the film here is that the film as, as, as a piece recognizes that we're living in a very tense and, and dangerous moment, but it isn't able to articulate why that is. It's only able to articulate the fear and chaos that comes with that. And when the only thing you can articulate is that we're living in a time that you should be afraid of and we're living in a time that's chaotic, but you're not able to spell out a path forward and you're not able to spell out why this time is as such, the only logical option open to you is reactionary views and a reactionary ideology. And I think yeah, that that's think kind of how the film comes down politically. I I think that's I think that's true. Um there is some and but it doesn't happen immediately that kind of like seeps out of this film and it comes out Oh yeah, it's a slow burn. explicitly in the last 30 minutes. Um and I mean, and like horribly explicitly in the last like 2 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, where I think it takes it takes a a, a really dark turn. Yeah, um, we're, we're, it honestly it honestly kind of like I, I'm a fan of of as fan isn't the right word. I I'm interested in the the messaging and and the the style of film that isn't afraid to to kind of just wade into very difficult to approach topics i i spit on your grave is one of the films i find to be the most interesting films ever made it, it's it's trying to have this incredibly emotionally fraught tense traumatic and difficult discourse about what it means to survive and go through abuse and come out on the other side of that or in, yeah. in the case of i spit on your grave rape um this film <laughs> I feel does doesn't it's it's in way above its head. It, it can't navigate that space at all. It can't really handle where it winds up to go. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And um, it's not a surprise that I actually saw this film compared to um, Rodrigo Duarte's uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Yes, yes. Which was another film that was trying to talk about. Um, very complex and kind of interesting issues, but was doing it in a way where it was quite clear that the film was completely out of its own, out of out of its depth, and um, didn't really have anywhere to go, kind of intellectually speaking, and, and got lost in the kind of schlocky, surrealistic spectacle of it all. Um, and I think what's interesting about this, uh, about Mother, what was interesting about watching it was kind of being reminded very forcibly again that horror is not necessarily an inherently progressive or emancipatory no. or radical cultural form like if fear of the unknown if if fear of uh instability and change is you know what is it that lovecraft says uh the oldest fear is the fear of the unknown mm -hmm. um that kind of is inherently something that will appeal to a cultural and political discourse that can assert definitive fixed meanings and identities, which is something that horror seeks to destabilize. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, I think it's important to kind of, I think quite a lot of the films that we've done previously, you know, you could quite easily 
pull out from them a, a kind of radical reading, which I hope is what we've what we've done. Um, but this, I think, is a good reminder that actually horror horror can be a uh, a kind of troubling reactionary. It 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 creates it creates monsters and then provides solutions, and the solutions are worse than the monsters that it's telling you to be afraid of. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally, unsurprisingly, I totally agree with that. Um, I'm really glad you brought up uh, uh, Cannibal Holocaust because I, I think I don't I think, think that's a sentence that many people have said. <laughs> no, no, and and I because I think that um, I didn't think about that prior to you bringing it up, but but I find that this movie pairs really well with Cannibal Holocaust because I feel like. They both failed, but in different interesting ways. And for me, like, like, like Cannibal Holocaust crosses the line for me. Like, the actual filmed torture and death of animals is is right out. Like, I have no interest in ever seeing that film again or really doing yeah, much yeah. critical work with it because it's just abject. Yeah, and, absolutely. And that's where Cannibal Holocaust fails for me. Outside yeah. of that, like, like if someone were to remake Cannibal Holocaust and extract those elements and and kind of have the rest of it and and somehow negotiate that space you know i i think that cannibal holocaust is actually like you know you've got you've got the meta narrative of of these students are going in into this tribal space to try and like agitate and film like like the the horrors of of tribal life you know and it winds up destroying them yeah yeah. but then you've, you've got the meta narrative of these horror filmmakers are making a film about that process being yeah. just as evil as those people yeah, yeah, and there's some kind of discourse to be had there, where I think as as mother, on on the other hand, has has a much more muddied message than that, much less clear structure and statement. The like Cannibal Holocaust is is a moral failure because of its its uh, I guess for for lack of a better way to phrase this, its technical aspects. Yeah, yeah. Whereas whereas I think mother falls apart because of its plotting and its narrative yeah and so that kind of brings me that kind of brings us back to the point and the point is that um so the point is the kind of veneration of the great artist the great kind of creative act um that has to be given the kind of perfect environment in in which it can occur um uh, but you create at a time of great instability and it is so telling that it's Darren Aronofsky, who is completely incapable of articulating why times are so unstable, uh, why are we facing an environmental catastrophe, um, because he kind of falls back onto some of the worst aspects of a lot of green politics, which is that, oh, people are stupid and greedy, and yeah, well, one they, of- they, they consume too much. Yeah, one one of the things he expressly outlined in his his little statement about all the things that kind of came together in his mind to start this film, and one of the things that I think it really darkly expresses is is this idea of of like like the idea that we have an overpopulation problem. Yes, the, the absolutely. Idea that humans are 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 somehow breeding too much, and and that's and that's what's destroying the world, and not evil corporations and re- resource allocation. Yeah, because like, it, like, is, it has been proven time and time again that we have m- more than enough resources to support every single human alive. We just allocate them poorly. 
and, and that's something that the film does not grapple with accurately it, it's very telling that in that final sequence where the house becomes this kind of nightmarish descent into into a sort of hell there is so many people in there yes yeah and like so many bodies so many bodies just kind of thrown together um, and it's it's so, it's so reactionary too because instead of instead of these people trying to make it work instead of them banding together as a community the the only vision that can be offered is is like there, there there's a group of like vaguely foreign men trying to sell a bunch of caged women yeah and, and yeah, that, yeah. that is also like an incredibly you know like if you watch fox news for more than a fourth of a minute you'll realize how incredibly disturbing that messaging is yeah because because this is this is the thing that like his view his view on human nature is essentially that people are, are, are stupid and bad and there needs to be far less of them um, yeah but apart from the few special people that they're, they're the ones who are okay the ones who are these um creative geniuses um and so I think I think he he has a very kind of grim nihilistic view on on the vast majority of these this unnamed group, uh, this sort of almost horde of people that turn up, kind of looking for some sort of cultural inspiration, looking for some sort of spiritual meaning from Javier Bardem's great poet, because he he does see them as as basic. The film kind of treats them as basically. Um, avaricious and and essentially just just awful um and we're supposed to find the ending uh which uh we'll get into in more detail where the house is spectacularly blown up and everybody inside is incinerated we're supposed to find that as a kind of cathartic like yeah yeah that's exactly what should happen to those people mm -hmm. moment <laughs> Uh, which is which is awful, which is genuinely genuinely deeply disturbing, um, but not for the reasons that the film thinks it is. So I think there is this kind of eugenicist eliminationist strain that yeah. runs through the whole film, which and it's uh, so fucked up. Is isn't it's it's not good. It's not good. Everybody, I think, is is something that we're saying. I I can't. I agree more that this movie's approach to uh, "quote unquote" overpopulation is, uh, I, and and I, I say this with an absolute leaden honesty, but like eugenicism at best, yeah, yeah, and and outright exterminationism at worst. Because yeah, because here's the thing: in the midst of catastrophe, uh, every kind of edgy. Uh, libertarian fantasy is oh that's the moment where we all turn on each other we get to pick up our guns and like the last person standing is the winner yeah the, um, the, the last the last man alive gets all the twinkies they've been hoarding or whatever yeah like a like a dragon with its gold yeah um but like genuinely we kind of know that that is not the only way that people respond in times of crisis times of crisis and natural disaster especially are often the most kind of powerful examples of things like mutual aid of class solidarity of um people kind of reaching out to help those around them so there is no reason to suggest right there is no real reason if you're someone who's interested in the in the kind of historical totality of where we are at the moment to suggest that the only response would be oh well you know a kind of descent into chaos 
Because, yeah, that might be part of it, but that doesn't abnegate or, or kind of discount the fact that, you know, times like... The, the, I'm basically, I'm basically saying that you know this is not a good, this is not a good view on human nature that no. we are these, and it, and the reason it's not good is because it's an ideological fantasy, it's a projection of this very white, very privileged environmentalist politics that sees the world as essentially being overcrowded and full of people who. Uh, consume too much who come into your beautiful house and start tearing fixtures off the walls just to prove that they were here as one character says Mm -hmm. and it's like that is not that is not a realistic view on human nature because it's a politics that's disconnected from historical materialism absolutely and even if you wanted to depict because certainly in times of a large-scale catastrophe, uh, horrible things happen, and people do abuse the chaos. Yes, to, yeah, to, yeah. To let Ab- them. A- and even, absolutely, I wouldn't, e- I wouldn't deny that at all. Oh no, yeah, but even if you wanted to depict that, even if that was the central um, conflict of your horror text, that that necessarily needs to be played against the fact that that there are people who work against that. There are people who come together to to build something better in these moments. Yeah. And it's not just a, a whirlwind of people stealing chunks of your bathtub. Yeah, absolutely. Darren, Ar- Darren Aronofsky does not like these people. Uh, he doesn't like this kind of this this faceless, nameless conglomeration of people. And in fact, you know, he he presents them as these kind of as this kind of parasitic, violent force that feeds off the beneficence of a kind of great male creative figure. Um, and it's, and it's, and it's kind of revolting. A little <laughs> bit, <he> yeah. should, <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's, and what's worse is that the film presents that so skillfully, right? That's what, that's what makes it worse. The, the, the whole kind of discursive argument is set up, with a great deal of care and attention where you go, no, no, that is exactly what I mean. Uh, You should all be giving thanks to Javier Bardem for deigning to present you with his great work of poetry that's going to give your life meaning, that's going to give your life kind of structure and shape. But no, you have to turn around and, and turn into these kind of violent, marauding hordes that deserve to be uh, murdered and and killed by by fire and by gunfire and 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 police and armed militias. So that is one element to this, which I think we can safely categorize as being very bad. But there is another element that I think we should probably bring up, right? Um, and given that I I wanted to talk about this in relation to Mother's Day, I think we should probably talk about the way that this film treats uh, treats domesticity treats jennifer yes. lawrence's character totally tr- like wh- where wh- what do you think so um we might need to give a bit more context as well i think yeah yeah i think um it's uh it's good that we're actually recording this today because today um is uh trans visibility day mm-hmm. and uh one of one of the things that is is one of this movie's massive comical fail comical failings is is just how starkly it supports and reinforces a gender binary, right? Yes. Uh, J- Jennifer Lawrence is a, a maternal giving force, right? We come we come to realize through the course of the film that not only so so the very first scene of the film, 
uh, him, the the great artist character, places uh, a magic crystal on a pedestal. And and all of a sudden, this beautiful house uh, forms around him. And then we, the, the camera goes into the bedroom of the house and, and a being, uh, the, the shape of a woman, kind of lifts up underneath the sheets and wakes up and starts asking, asking where her husband is. Right? Yep. Uh, and then through the course of the movie, uh, Mother spends all of her time uh, cleaning, doing light repair work, painting, uh, cooking, very, very domestic, very quote-unquote uh, feminine tasks. The end of the film, the very end, um, the uh, final final scene of this film is uh, the final sequence. I guess I should pull back a little. Uh, during the chaos of, of the house and and amidst the executions and the cannibalism and the madness of overpopulation, uh, mother sets the house on fire. She blows up some fuel tanks that are in the basement mm-hmm. and incinerates everyone in the house, including herself. Um, we get a scene after that where him is un- unscathed by the flame. In all of his creative, artistic, masculine glory, he is immune to this, to everything around him. Now, not only the chaos and the madness, but also the feelings of mother and and the fire that ultimately consumes the world. So he's carrying her her charred and burnt corpse back in, in, into the room with the pedestal. And then he reaches into her chest, pulls out her heart, and and crushes it in, into another magic poetry crystal. Places it on the pedestal and resets the system all over again. Right? This this movie depicts women as these uh, selfless to the point of of literal self sacrifice, maternal figures who only exist to prop up and support the quote-unquote art of, of the great men in their lives. And it is a profoundly disgusting message to end a film on. I think, I couldn't, I couldn't help but think of, there's this, there's this great um, quote in uh, Sarah Ahmed's book on queer phenomenology where she talks about male philosophers and their tables that phenomenologists Mm, love to talk about tables because tables are kind of a very they're a very philosophical object um and what do you see when you're positioned in a certain at a certain table and what what lots of them don't see is that they don't see the 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 domestic labor which goes on behind the scenes that maintains their ability to be sat there at their table philosophizing um, and this is exactly exactly what comes up in the film, you know. He 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 is the creative one. Uh, I even thought at times maybe the film got this because there's this kind of recurring point that um, her managed to build this house by herself, and I was mm-hmm. like, maybe there's a degree of self awareness here that yeah, this man is pretty much useless. That he isn't producing any great work. That he isn't—he's not even capable of like building the house. Um, yeah. But that—that that was all very quickly. I was very quickly disabused of that notion um, by how the film unfolds. Um, but I think it's—I think it's so true that th- this film has no interest in thinking about what goes into the maintenance of, you know, male genius creativity. 
in any in any way other than oh well that's just the kind of way the world works it kind of naturalizes that gender binary yeah it's 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 heteronormative it's it presents this uh false gendered dichotomy as something like not not only naturalistic but also kind of guaranteed and set into the motion of the universe by its very architecture yeah like like that this is a deeply reactionary message that that this movie is trying to carve out not not just in terms of its kind of broader environmentalist and sociopolitical stances but also in terms of of domesticity and how it treats the the lives of men and women and not to mention completely negates any any possibility of existing outside of a heteronormative gender binary i i complete i completely agree (laughs) (laughs) um yes i think that's i think that's one of the things which is really unsettling actually about this film because if you're going to try and do a kind of surreal dreamlike um descent into kind of psychoanalytic nightmare state then why would you why would you stick to a kind of it's so it's so mundane right it's so this is not challenging anything it's just reinforcing all the worst aspects of current reality and i think that so this movie wants to be an exploration of capitalist realism it wants to be an exploration of everything that's led us to, to this current tipping point that we're in. But instead of being an exploration of it, it's a damning product of it. You know, the, yeah, it's a validation. Yeah, it's a validation of it. It's so, so very close to having a lot of great messages, but it's hamstrung by its ability to, to reach beyond capital. Right? Capital is like totalizing for this film. And, and, and it cannot press against the normative bounds of society. It has to fall in line with them and i think i think to say capital includes not just capitalism but also a kind of heteronormative imperialistic oh yeah all all the systems that support it's it's necessarily support its existence uh eugenicist uh politics and especially like like if we consider the ending of this film right like what's the like so this film is meant to be about our current political moment which is which is very very frightening, very unstable. There's a lot of very important and very difficult questions that need answering immediately. Yeah, yeah. And what does this movie ultimately present us as the answer? This movie's ultimate suggestion is that, I don't know, we hit the reset button and we go back to the way it was in the 80s or something? No, even further back, further back than the 80s. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. To, to, to never, never mind, to a prelapsarian past that has never existed. Yeah, which is exactly what places this film into the kind of discursive territory of uh, of something that's actually quite reactionary. Because that's the, that's the whole reactionary move, isn't it? To venerate this prelapsarian, non-existent point in history where you go, back then, everything was fine. You know, back then we had no problems. Um and so all we need to do somehow is we is we need to get back. And the only way that we're going to do that, according to Mother, is that we incinerate the world and start over. And so, so the thing is, too, is like I think I'm like personally wounded by this film because it, it does a lot of the things that I like in my avant-garde cinema. You know, it, it like it like rapidly changes plot for no apparent reason. And <laughs> and, and the, the cinematography there are a lot of moments where it, it, 
where like like you 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 can you can feel this energy of like I don't know this will be awesome, and and just just these things that kind of like push and challenge conventional uh, cinematographical approaches. I I feel that this this movie does a lot of those really well, but it yeah. it, it does that yeah, yeah. in service to this empty centrist pawing at making the world a better place somehow. Shrug. Yeah, because that's the thing. You can't make the world a better place because Aronofsky doesn't understand why the world is the way that it is. Absolutely. I mean, how can you make the world a better place if your solution is apocalypse? Yeah, and, know, and especially because, like, you know, at, at the end of the movie, Mother, the film, not the character, doesn't want the world to be a better place. It just wants to return to the way that things could have never been in the first place right you it wants to go back to what starts everything off yeah no no lesson is learned nothing is take, taken away the cycle of abuse is eternal in yeah, this yeah. film there, there there's no recourse for for escaping these bounds here and yeah i think the uh i think the idea that there could the the choice is either you accept the the destruction of the world uh or what where, where there is no there is no alternative what there is is instead a kind of carnival uh bacchanalic uh descent into the end of the world and then it all ends in ash and fire yeah and we, with the only possible out being you just kind of hope that magically you can go back to when things were good but spoiler they've never been good yeah absolutely uh, the you know I think the choice of like there's something that uh, what is it it's the it's Rosa Luxemburg's famous quote right the choice bourgeois society now stands at the crossroads yep. between uh, socialism or barbarism which was the choice then and is the choice now although increasingly it seems that the choice is becoming less and less apparent because we seem to have headed down just one road and it's not the road we should have chosen. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, um, and so the instead of that instead of that possible uh kind of liberatory moment what you have is you know bourgeois society stands uh already already doomed already doomed we're we're past the point of no return now according to according to mother again the film not the character <laughs> um i think that means what we have to do is we have to talk about uh javier bardem's character right so, so I, I find this character to be interesting. Like, like one, one of the most interesting things in this giant mess of a film, right? Because you can... There, there, are, there are two conflicting lines, I feel, for reading uh, the character of him. Yeah. And uh, for, for the record, um, in my ranking of characters named him, uh, this is at the bottom... And at the yep. top is the unquestionable uh, queer icon, him from Powerpuff Girls, who is one of the greatest and creepiest icons of all horror. Represent. Peace uh, up. I, I can't believe you didn't mention the mid-2000s uh, Scandinavian pop emo band, His Infernal Majesty, either. Oh, damn. I used to listen <laughs> to them all the time. There's a trip that's down memory lane. That's a deep cut for you. <laughs> oh, back, back back in the old emo days. Oh, good old times. But, um, so so the, two, the two lines I kind of read through this character is, is that there, there's kind of this soft condemnation 
of of everything that's going on right like he's so him is so full of himself with his art he 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 finds his pretentious poetry to be so important and so impressive that it literally not just equates him with god but makes him god yeah right but i i feel that the movie much like the rest of its messaging doesn't know what to do with that critique like it, it like it just just like with the environment it knows enough to say that something's wrong just like with politics it knows enough to say that something's wrong and just just as with um uh abuse and masculinity it knows enough to say that something's wrong with like a patriarchal force but it doesn't have the discursive tools to say what is wrong or what should be done about it and so that that message of of kind of how this totalizing godlike emperor artist man this auteur is is somehow bad is kind of lost in the end when it's by his power and his power alone that things can be saved yeah yeah that's exactly the point um and he he is this um it's a straight it's a strange it's a it's a strange film it's just a, it's just a weird film but there's this there's this constant sort of um desire self-aggrandizing ego at play right these these people sort of just appear one day at his home and he's like no stay stay mm-hmm. of course he's a fan he's a fan he needs yeah. to see me and it's like there's something there's something sort of deeply unsettling about that kind of level of of great male auteur narcissism like deeply deeply unsettling because who would ever want that right like 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 on a real level like i understand people who want fame and power because it would be cool to have that kind of security i can, i can get behind that fantasy you know but yeah but who who outside of somebody with 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 an unstoppable ego like that would ever want like strangers coming into your home and embracing them with open arms and then to have the movie close venerating someone who has that kind of like maniacal ego yeah uh and it's like that's that's your great hope that's the great hope that this film sets up is you know, uh, and and there's the kind of weird moment where it links uh, artistic production to sexual reproduction, right? Yes. Which which is like, oh, we, we tap into all the kind of grossest discourses about the male artist and it and their virility and their mm-hmm. cr- creativity and their fertility, and it's like, oh, really. Really, are we are we gonna do that again? Um, which is another way in which this film makes its its kind of deeply reactionary politics very explicit. Yeah, yeah, and I think um one one of the things for me that I found really disturbing about this film is that like especially in like comics and video games and genre. You know, we're, we're, we're living in a time where the fact that these things have been traditionally dominated by white, cisgendered, heterosexual men is, is being challenged and it's being upturned. And the reactionary move that movement against that has, has been vicious, yeah, right? Vicious in their abuse. There, there are domestic terrorists 
and not lightly phrased at all that, that accurately describes a lot of what happens and to to kind of like look at this movie and like like sure him is flawed and that he's tripping over his own dick sometimes (laughs) but but at the end of the day it's pretty cool to have a dick big enough to trip over is kind of the message that it that it's selling about like you know patriarchal auteurs yeah i mean this i actually think that one thing that one thing that i would really uh, this this film has made me want to go off and and read again is um shulamith's firestone's the dialectic of sex where shulamith talks about the necessity of a kind of materialist analysis of not just class relations but of uh relations between men and women and the urgent like honestly she should have thrown him out of the house like yeah. <laughs> this is this is the whole point it isn't it's it's her house it's something that she built she's um the one who is who is uh capable you know as she kind of throws in his face you can't even write you know i've done all i've done all of this yeah and, and, and she has no agency in the film either she's she's no. the only time she has agency is when she's painting outside of that she's just thrown around in this whirlwind yeah i mean the the moments where she she gets to exercise her um creative abilities her artistic abilities uh, are these very small windows into a kind of really the 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 way in which you set up the possibility of a better world is that you don't um blow up the entire house but you uh set fire and burn alive javier bardem and i think i think that this is this is one of the critical lines in the film that i actually really liked and appreciated and i think the film uh, uh did somewhat competently <laughs> if i'm being if i'm being generous about it is that it portrays him's artwork, which is kind of like this really pretentious and vague poetry. As it's so important and as, so beautiful. Yeah, as, as being literally as important as God. You know, yeah. like that is how it, it presents him's art. But the entire time, like, we, we see so many scenes of mother, like, hand... I don't even know how you would hand make paint, but she is making her own paint, right? She yeah, she yeah. is She is coming up with her own color palettes, and and she she's carefully thinking out how she wants rooms to to express certain ideas and feelings and sensations through the color through these paints she's painstakingly making, right? She she's not schlepping down to the hardware store and coming back with six gallons of like like off white, you know. She she is crafting something with her hands, and and societally we've always kind of extracted the idea of art away from the uh, traditional de- domestic sphere of women. And things like knitting and and like the art of homemaking has lost its art because that was subsumed into the masculine sphere. Yeah, you, and, and I feel that like isn't it something that Federici talks about? Yeah, you know, men are allowed to be artists; women are um, are, uh, are skilled at craft. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a which is this which is this nonsense distinction, and I'm like, it's such a 19th century view on kind of the role and function of art, right? Mm-hmm. Because you if you get rid of this was the concern of people like Matthew Arnold, if you get rid of if you get rid of God, you don't have a kind of stabilizing master discourse anymore to kind of anchor things. You know, science is too cold and rationalistic to do it. So what do you have to give people's lives meaning, to give people um some sense of kind of purpose? Is you have art, you have culture. The thing that holds off um anarchy is is 
the sweetness and light of of culture and it's like this is such a kind of dismissive attitude towards like 99% of of the artistic and imaginative potential of of humans and a great way of completely eliminating the idea of 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 women's art and women's creativity because you go well it's the great men they can create the art which will stabilize society which will which will give the masses the meaning that they need um but you realize that not only will they be unable to do that but the masses in this film don't want stability right they they don't want uh uh, they don't want the kind of sweetness and light of being in a, a being a kind of poetic, having a poetic epiphany. What they want to do is they want to destroy. Yeah. So, so two two things are going off of that. I think, I think the the contrast in their art styles is is very important, right? He he's very much like the that that overblown toxic genius figure that that needs all of these pretentious things to be met before he can express himself artistically. Whereas yeah, yeah. she's actually creating something, and I, I think must, I must go to my room and yes. create. <laughs> yes, away, away with me to my autistic chambers. Be gone, woman! Like it's very much like, like, like this is Rochester if he was a poet. <laughs> Read Jane Eyre, everyone. There's a book for you. <laughs> so, what, what, one thing though that, that I think is worth pointing out though is that her art is generative, right? She, she's she's taking this kind of like like the, I would never call this house dilapidated. But it's it's a it's a worn farm home in in need of some TLC, and she's yeah. building something, right? She's she's trying to shape a better world out of a world that's a little rough around the edges, yeah. whereas he's just trying to find a new way to inflate his ego again, you know. And if we follow, the- and we, we we don't follow her path forward in the film, we don't follow her path of trying to make something better. We follow his path, and yeah. and ultimately, like. Like, like, I, th- I think I'm going to disagree. I don't think the the masses and the fans want the chaos. I think he, the path that he sets forward, necessarily makes the chaos because all uh, he he, yeah, doesn't, he doesn't yeah, want yeah, a I would, better I would, world. I would, he just I would wants himself that. to be powerful and loved and cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, no, I would agree. Actually, yeah, your take on it is better than mine. Um, <laughs> On this one occasion, <laughs> it'll, it'll only ever um, count when you say that about Rob Zombie. <laughs> I will. I will never say that about. <laughs> I'm excited for next week where we talk about Lords of Salem or House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> right. Um, no, you're right. You're right. I was. I was being kind of overly generous. Um, you know, he he wants to be adored. He doesn't want to perform like even if you take accept that model that the kind of stabilizing discourse for the 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 bourgeois has always historically been culture the thing that will make sure the revolution never reaches their door he doesn't want that what he wants is to be adored what he wants is to kind of appeal to the very you know the 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 the, he doesn't yeah he just wants to self-aggrandize yeah it's oh holy shit holy shit i think you just Oh my god, I think you just unlocked part of this movie for me. Him, him, if you will, if you'll if you'll indulge me momentarily. Um, Go on. So so him him just wants this self-aggrandizing uh ad- ad- adulation from these fans, right? He wants to grow eternally, to constantly fill this unfillable void within himself, right? Mother wants wants to to repair this home. 
to make it a place where you can live and people can be raised as a family, right? People people ultimately come to to see him and his art. And because it's it's this quest to fill this unfillable void, they become part of the system. It's totalizing yeah. and inescapable, right? Whereas if they would have uh, came at the behest of mother, it would have been so- something generative, right? And so something that you can build community with. Mother is socialism in all of its various manifestations. Him is capitalism in its various manifestations. Uh, I think uh, I think that there might might be something. This literally just popped into my head. I, I haven't had the time to really chew on this, but I, I, th- mean, I think there it, at least at least in the first uh, half of the film before we get into like weird art house chaos festival, I think <laughs> I think there might be might be something there for this. No, I think that would be I think that would be a, an interesting way of reading it. Um, but it's but it's what kind of socialism because it True. isn't a milit it isn't a militant thing. No, yeah, so it's not it's not, it's not like an organized uh, militant or like I don't know even even like a DSA kind of loosely networked socialism. It's like a because there are so there know. are so many points where characters will say to say to her, "Oh, you really do love him, don't you?" Yep. And it's like, uh, so I, I sort of see a point, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure how far you could extend that. Yeah, line I'm of not really sure where that goes, but I think, I think, uh, it's a cool idea, though. <laughs> there's a, there's a thought. There's a free thought internet. This is what you came here for. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is, this has been an, an interesting discussion. Uh, but I think, I think a few key points to kind of wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, so, firstly, the, separation of artistic production and uh like domestic labor and labor should be treated absolutely as equivalents right the kind of marginalization and the and the degradation of of you know in the biggest what was what was kind of derisively referred to as being women's work oh yeah is something that this film definitely seeks to reinscribe right women are uh, like she is her is 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 trapped in the in the in the domestic sphere but unlike uh ellen moores talks about the, the the female gothic in in her book literary women um i think it's called that can't remember there's i will i'll have to make sure i've got that right we will put it in but, the show notes but but she talks about the the female gothic being a site of potential agency even even when women are kind of legislatively and socially restricted to the domestic sphere that becomes a, a space in which they there is a degree of limited agency uh depicted in all the kind of classic gothic novels of the 18th and early 19th century however this domestic sphere is a place of of no agency there are so many times when people just sort of disappear and vanish when she's looking around for them um you know he is constantly disappearing and leaving her um absolutely as a prisoner at one point he tells her lock the doors Mm -hmm. you know don't don't go outside you can't come with me you have to stay in here um and i think it's it's it shows the regression because you know those early gothic novels like the there was a kind of critical acknowledgement that yes the gothic was was deeply uh, patriarchal and often misogynistic but also there was that uh, space in which kind of agency and self-actualization and kind of 
a, a modicum of control could be exerted. You know, you could explore the decaying mansion. You could find out who had killed your father. You could find out that your uncle was really a, a villainous monster who wanted to take your money. Uh, whereas here, you know, Jennifer Lawrence's character is just made really passive, is made into a kind of function right she's the the she's fuel she's the catalyst for art that we never hear and never see and we're told has great value but produces this egoistical proto-fascism and even even the destruction of the house right even even the one thing that can be uh kind of like like i guess the general care of the cows because she she is a gentle in the beginning when she's kind of painting right and doing these slightly more domestic things those are things that she chooses to do and seems to take some joy in but but the final action kind of erases all of that right and not, not only in the destruction of the home and all of the work that she's done and this thing that she's cared about but also in the fact that like the decision to blow up the house isn't even a real decision right it's yeah. i mean like like the, the there's you know whatever whatever him is of him as god or like the disembodied force of an artistic creator or whatever kind of like leads necessarily to the destruction of the house it isn't really her choice yeah no i think that's true i think that's there's a kind of streak of of fate almost yeah. isn't there um artists right we've got to kill the author i think that's that's the big political takeaway yeah except, kill, except kill. for rob zombie as we discussed previously <laughs> uh, uh lord emperor rob zombie eternal but all the rest of them straight to the bin uh yeah destroy the author function destroy this high-handed idea this kind of uh, patronizing bourgeois liberal idea that what will kind of give meaning to the vast majority of people who struggle and suffer under the yoke of capitalism is their fucking poetry right <laughs> we have to get rid of that idea oh yeah totally so um and um let's let's hope that darren aronofsky um stops just, just stop doing this stop watching those laws like i said before we started recording that this was like an an edgy alt light fan had watched too many lars von trier movies um accurate and he need, he needs to stop doing that he needs to stop doing that a lot <laughs> um and it's just it's been a ride it's been a ride yeah so is it's there, a, oh go on is there anything else that you wanted to kind of bring up? Yeah, yeah. I think I think we should close it with a discussion of that, a quick discussion of that final sequence and kind of and kind of put a wrap on the film. Yeah. Right, okay. So um, after the house burns down, uh, him is carrying mother's charred body, and and the, the the final sequence is him pulls mother's heart out of of her charred chest. It crushes it down and into the same kind of magic gem we saw at the beginning of the film. And 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 then the the sequence from the beginning kind of plays again. The house regenerates around him, and and we see mother reform on the bed, waking up, asking where her partner is. Yeah. You know, it's it's that same the the, the cycle repeats itself. And I think that like that's really grim. I mean, like, it's obviously really grim, but like 
for, from from the standpoint of like like him is his amazingly abusive that's a weird phrase but he, but he is very intensely abusive of mother right he's constantly dictating what she can and can't do where she can go who she can interact with you know like this isn't just controlling like like he's grooming her for abuse and in that final sequence of the film right the the cycle of abuse continues and remains unbroken yeah and like i mean and even if and even if you want to even if you want to take a kind of more um metaphysical or like imagine like not imaginative but like less less a slightly more abstract reading um of the kind of uh film that you've just seen what is there there's just this cycle of 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 violence and exploitation which is about to resume because if you don't have a kind of materialist conception of history if you don't have an idea of the possibility of class consciousness of solidarity of mutual aid then these are the only choices either either you either accept it or you realize that there's nothing that can be done that this violence and exploitation is inevitable it's always been inevitable and that the only way to kind of endure it is to sort of uh, embrace the destruction because at least it might make your ego feel pretty good well said i think it's i think it's worth pointing out that <sighs> this is a bad movie <laughs> it, it tries to do as, as we've a been bad out, movie as we've been outlining for the I last don't know hour if that has come across if i don't know if that has come across that we think it is it's a bad movie <laughs> like 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 i want to apologize to our listeners really quickly you could have just listened to the last five seconds of the podcast where i say this is a bad movie but um i it, it, it's it's we're stating that like a lot of really talented artists put a lot of hard work into this film there's so much beautiful cinematography i i yeah. absolutely adored whoever was the graphic artist who came up for the poster where, where they did the riff on rosemary's baby that was brilliant Right, uh, Jennifer Lawrence and um, Javier Bardem both uh, are great in this movie. I think I think they they play their roles well, even if their roles are these very poorly defined characters. You know, and Michelle and Pfeiffer say, is is also oh, very yes. good. Yes, it's so good to see her getting uh, a kind of a, a very it's a deeply cruel character, mm -hmm. um, and she deals and she's so good. She's very very good. Yeah, and like I I love the sets. Right, and even yeah. like Aronofsky's directing isn't bad. No, not you, you, you this know, is the thing, right? This yeah. is the thing that it like, like an aesthetic failure is is sort of interesting, or it's very boring. But the, the badness here is in not just its form, but it's in in its content and in its meaning, mm -hmm. and it comes from a a deeply, a deeply privileged, cosseted american dude who looks like a, a weak jawed christian bale <laughs> uh making a film that is um aiming towards being progressive and green but is instead just reinscribing deeply patriarchal misogynistic violence um a kind of distaste for the vast majority of people and a sort of self-insert glorification of of male creativity yeah and and like 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 i just want to stress that it's that it's entirely possible to like like f find this movie 
essentially repulsive, <laughs> but at, at the same time, really appreciate all of, of, of the workers who poured themselves into this film and not discredit what they've done here. And, and beyond that, like if somebody like, like found something good in this film that they liked and that moved them positively, then, then good, good for you. So yeah. just want just want to put that put that out there that that this isn't like a, a totalizing. This movie is inherently negative, and nothing good can be drawn from it. But no, yeah, I think that's I think that's important to to state that actually it's it's a film which I I don't know if I feel as strongly about it as you do, but I think there are things in it which are deeply troubling, and I think there are things in it which are um deeply kind of unsettling. Yes. And, there are so many moments that, in, especially in the first hour, which I really like, where you get this kind of creepy, fall of the house of Usher, mm-hmm. uh, kind of sense of decay, of like inevitable gloom and like corruption that seems to be like coming up through the floorboards almost. I think all of that is really cool, and I think it's the final, it's the final act where it, it kind of loses track of a lot of what it was maybe that positive kind of edenic green politics liberalism that was that you know they were going for gets lost completely yeah, in the final definitely. in the final 30 40 minutes that's where it all disappears and you get this uh really unpleasant uh but very skillfully constructed conclusion to the story but i do think it's important that we kind of go you know what it's it, there are things in this which are uh, politically, I think, are sort of troubling. And I think you can find a work of art meaningful and still be aware of actually there are valid and important critiques that have to be uh, accepted and, and and responded to. Like, like obviously, um, Aronofsky is no stranger to, like, running afoul with the ratings board. You know, Requiem for a Dream was NC-17 until it was released as an unrated film. Yep. So so this is very much his bag, as he likes to shock the crowd, very Marilyn Manson. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, kind of reading this scene, like, like I, I did, you know, when I said earlier that I appreciated things about it, not obviously not appreciating, like, you know, what what is graphically depicted, but appreciating kind of, like, the messaging here, I found that this was something very interesting was that like if you're following kind of like the uh, Christian metaphysics that's going on with this film, with with him being this kind of like failed stilted god and mother being the Virgin Mary equivalent, that makes this child like the savior, and and you know like you know eat of this bread it is my flesh kind of thing, yeah. But but the salvation never comes. It's like a failed savior from from this faulty god and this this kind of stilted uh virgin mary figure i think it it, yeah. it creates like this i don't want to say inverted because that's a little too simplistic but it kind of creates like a shadow trinity trinity if you will i think it's one of the points at which the kind of theology for atheists bit is yeah. the clearest and it's also maybe one of the reasons why that sequence is is, is as shocking as it is because that's the bit where the kind of metaphor uh, sort of works and holds, as it were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it is. This film is 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 may it was maybe a bad. I'll admit it. Maybe I chose quite poorly I if mean, we were going to talk. 
I mean, I, I need to go on the record right now and, and, and say that uh, uh, I have to out you. You picked this as our Mother's Day episode. <laughs> uh, I mean, yes. Yes, I did. And I, I, am, I am more than capable of, of admitting <laughs> that, that I probably should have looked into the details of this one a little bit more. Um, Next Mother's Day, we're doing Alien or a much more wholesome Mother's Day film. Oh, like yeah. Like The Thing or something. <laughs> Yeah, we'll do something really cheerful. Um, yeah, maybe I should have looked into the the details of the plot just a little bit more. Um, that's on me. Uh, <laughs> I'm totally going to own up to that. I, I I I do want I do want to say that um, for for uh, all of our listeners out there who uh, identify as mothers, uh, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's. Let's, I don't think we can really do that when we've been talking about uh, Darren Aronofsky for an hour. I don't think we can no, do it. No, I don't think it works. <laughs> I, I think that this movie has a lot of interesting things to say about motherhood. I feel like, you know, we touched on earlier the idea that, like, you know, it's it's him's unbridled male creative virility that ultimately, quote-unquote, seeds all of the generation uh, and the world around him, uh, which is incredibly gross. disgusting. Gross. But... <sighs> I, 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 feel, I feel that, like, if this movie would have respected motherhood as as a conceptual topic, not something trapped in a gender binary, not not, not something venerating the housewife, not, not something gross and reactionary, but, but, but as this, this, this concept where you're bringing life into the world, whether that's literally through, through carrying a child or metaphorically for... Uh, building a community or creating art, you know, whether all, all of these things that kind of quantify themselves as some kind of impregnation and generation with a life for the world, with with something that's going to move beyond your control at some point. I, I think it just it just straight up didn't respect that as a conceptual framework. Um, no, I don't think it did. Uh, precisely because it's so wedded to that. Ha. Huh wedded to nah, that, very, that very um normative, very patriarchal idea of what the um appropriate roles are um and it can't really get beyond those yeah and, and that just that just for me it completely completely shuts it down right like i am i am really here for you to, to use like a tech phrase like cutting edge discourse on what maternity even means in a world where our appreciation of uh, gender roles and gender itself has has shifted dramatically into something much more liberatory, and and this film has a reactionary appraisal that is at home in a prelapsarian past and not our present yeah, day. Pre- precisely, I think that's that's something that would have been would have been very interesting, and I think it's something that. Um, I think horror, particularly, given the way um, it it functions as a discourse about the body, could could do some really interesting things there. Oh yeah, and, and, I um, mean, like like Rosemary's Baby, Alien. Um, oh my god, uh, oh, I'm trying to. Oh th- my god, oh my god. Oh what? This film, this film is like a reactionary Rose, Rosemary's Baby. So so I, I don't know if you've seen it, but when this film first came out, one of the posters. Um, for this film was a riff on Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, it's it's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the poster for Rosemary's Baby, but redone to mother. And when I saw that poster, I lost my mind because I was like, okay, like 
shots fired man like you're going for the throne when like you're going after one of like the crown jewels of horror right there yeah if you're coming for Ira Levin you better be you better be good right yeah you're 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 gunning for like some of the peak uh like like art pieces of horror as a form when you're when you're trying to bite off Rosemary's baby and uh, the but movie yeah. we didn't live up <laughs> This is this is absolutely this is absolutely an alt right Rosemary's Baby. Oh, totally. That's there we go. We finally we found the tagline. We found and and for for the record, if you are going to bite off of another horror movie's poster, the acceptable and and tried and true method of doing this is to feature their movie's poster ripped up in your movie. Right. We, uh, yes. That is the only way to do this. That this precedent has been set by countless horror movies before us, and I will not have people blaspheme in my house. <laughs> you you tell it. You tell it. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Uh, bite off of horror movie posters correctly. That that is uh, the moral of the story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, could not agree more. Well, there we go. I think we actually managed okay, to cool. talk yeah, about... Okay, cool. Yeah, we, we tacked on something about Mother. <laughs> Man. Uh, oh, what the fuck is this mess? <laughs> so look what you made us do, Darren. Darren. <laughs> look, look what... Look what... Darren! Um, there you go. There you go. Right. This is, this is important. I feel like every good podcast needs a nemesis. <laughs> and, and so I think, I think from now on... Regardless of anything else he he does, and regardless of however else we feel about his work, the nemesis of the horror vanguard <laughs> is is Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> oh man, I'm fine with that so long as we don't have to talk about another Aronofsky movie anytime soon. Like I'm fi- I'm fine I'm fine with him being our nemesis in in such a capacity that we don't interact with him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. the The best way to treat your nemesis is to ignore them consistently. <laughs> that's true. That's true. It's a good. It's a good way to do it. Uh, yes, our, our great, the great nemesis, the great threat to the horror vanguard. <laughs> it it was not Rob Zombie. Yeah, but Darren Aron- but Darren Aronofsky it, that it, nearly that nearly ended this show. It, it, it winds up being a uh, a well intentioned uh, liberal who who uh, backtracks. <laughs> what a shock! What a shock! Backtracks into uh, reactionary ideology the second they're pressed. Uh, what what are the odds that happened? Uh, imagine my shock! <laughs> oh god! <laughs> At least he I didn't make you, a horror movie. I bet you, Paul Joseph Watson, fucking loved this movie. <laughs> Oh, had had to, had to. No, never mind. This is too artsy. This is too art house. Oh yeah, yeah. It's the, 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 yeah. There's too many. There's too many moving parts. There's too much going on here. You know, you would you would need like a much shorter, much simpler film, like Birth of a Nation. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> that, that's an exit line. That's where we finish this. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, creeps and comrades. And remember, stay spooky.